I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have Rick Gomez with me, who is the CMO of Target. Rick, hi, and welcome to the show. Hi, Nadine. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm really excited to chat with you today, Rick. We have a lot to cover. And first, though, could you share a little bit more with me about the current role that you have and why you decided to take that on? Sure. I have the privilege of being the chief marketing officer here at Target, which means I oversee Target Creative, which is basically an in-house creative agency, brand strategy, media, insights, retail experience, corporate responsibility, and then also our external and internal comms. As you know, it's a terrific, beloved, iconic brand and 1,800 stores across the U.S., Now, I will tell you, I have been in retail for about five years, but really most of my career has been in marketing in the CPG space. I spent really my whole career uh, in food and beverage and then had the opportunity to come to retail five years ago and to come to Target. And what really attracted me to retail was just the pace of change, the amount of disruption, the movement, the change. It was exciting to me, and I really wanted to be a part of that. I would say, in addition to me coming to the retail industry, part of my decision wasn't just about retail. It was also about specifically Target. And the Target brand is a brand that I have admired from afar for a long time. It's iconic. It's beloved. I've always been very impressed with the marketing that this team has done. And to have a chance to be a part of that was really exciting for me. And on top of that, when I think about the Target brand, the values and what it stands for are so much aligned with my values and who I am. You know, Target is an optimistic, positive, inclusive, accessible, warm brand. And and that's the kind of brand that I can really believe in. Wow. So there's so much in there, Rick, and I can't wait to dive in a little bit more. But I have to ask, I mean, when you first started in your career, did you ever think you'd become a CMO? Honestly, I can tell you, I never had any idea I was going to become a CMO. In fact, I was very, very focused on becoming a lawyer. 
And wow. I had studied government in school. I had worked at one of the biggest law firms in New York City. I had, in fact, been accepted to law school. And I went to my parents and I said, got accepted to law school. This is awesome. And they looked at me and they said, we're really proud of you. How are you going to pay for that? And at that moment, for me, the light bulb went off that I need to get a job. And so I went through corporate recruiting and I got a job, landed a job in an entry level brand marketing position at Quaker Oats. And I deferred my law school acceptance and I worked in brand management at Quaker for two years. And then after the second year, I, I deferred for another year law school. And at the end of my third year, I was the assistant brand manager on Captain Crunch. So my job was to come up with what's the next color of Crunchberry? What's the advertising campaign for Peanut Butter Crunch? I was listening to focus groups with six to eight-year-olds. And it was, I mean, it was a blast. And at that point, I realized there is no way that being a lawyer could ever be this much fun. <laughs> and at that point, I made the decision to say goodbye to law school and stay on the marketing track. And I've spent my whole career working in marketing and have loved it. Wow. Okay. So that is so fun. Do you still eat Captain Crunch? I'm just curious. I don't. My eating is a lot healthier now than it, than it used to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you went through a series of roles in CPG, right? Before you went over to retail? That's right. I uh, worked at the Quaker Oats company for about 10 years and was the vice president of marketing for Quaker Oatmeal when we got acquired by PepsiCo. And so became part of the PepsiCo family for another eight years in Chicago and also in New York. And after about an 18-year stint, I decided to leave. And at that time, I was the CMO for the non-carbonated beverages. So think beverages without bubbles. So Aquafina, Propel, Sobe, Dole, Tropicana. And decided after doing that for a little bit that I wanted to try something different. And so I moved to Miller Coors and ran the marketing for the Miller Coors portfolio, the brand marketing. So Miller Lite, Coors Lite, a really fun category, focusing on 21 to 29-year-olds. It's a lot of social, digital, sports marketing, event marketing. It was really fun for me. And did that for four years when I then decided to make the move to Target and to retail. So what prompted you to make that move? What, what was it that you said, well, I've got to go into retail? Or was it just an opportunity that came your way? It was, you know, I wasn't looking to leave Miller Coors. I was happy. I was enjoying the company, the culture, the brands. But when I heard about this opportunity at Target, it felt really special. I was excited about the industry and the change that was going on in the retail landscape. I was excited to be a part of this beloved, iconic brand. And I knew it was a team of people who had been really that had created a legacy of world-class marketing. So kind of all of that together, it just seemed like the stars were aligned and it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Let's talk a little bit more about this and especially the state of retail and what you're thinking of now and, and how you think about the purpose of Target and what you're leading as CMO. Sure. The retail landscape is incredibly tumultuous. It's, you know, there, there are going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And I, I think fundamentally what we're seeing is consolidation in the industry. We had too many stores per capita. And so what you're going to see is consolidation. And I think you're going to find some people are going to come out of this phase bigger and stronger. And we think Target will be one of those winners. And that's why we're making those investments in the business. About 
18 months ago, we made a very public statement that we were going to invest $7 billion over a three-year period to really ensure, given all this change and all this disruption, that Target was going to come out on top. So while many of our competitors are closing stores, we're actually doing the opposite. We're remodeling stores. We're opening stores in urban locations, opening stores on college campuses, investing in our digital platform, investing in our fulfillment options, investing in our teams, increasing wages so that we can provide a better experience for our guests. And we're launching a bunch of new own brands across apparel, home, beauty, electronics, uh, really driving differentiation for the brand. And, and I got to tell you, all of these efforts that we've been doing over the past year and a half, we're starting to see them pay off. It's so exciting. We had a terrific holiday season. Our first quarter was outstanding. We had record traffic. Uh, so as much as the retail environment is being disrupted, we have a lot of confidence in our strategy at Target and the investments that we're making that we're going to come out on top. And part of why we believe in Target as a winner is beyond just the financial investments that we're making, but it is because we are a purpose-driven company. Um, and we've spent a lot of time over the last two to three years, really clarifying our purpose, articulating that, and then reinforcing that not only with our team members, but with our guests. And Target, our, our purpose is really all about helping all families discover the joy in everyday life. And it's something that we've heard consistently from our guests. They refer to Target as their happy place. It's where they go to escape. It's where they go to get away, to walk up and down the aisles and be inspired. And so we think that's really important. They want to purchase and shop at brands that they believe in. So we know purpose is important, but how do you tell that story in an authentic, genuine way? And that's one of the things that I think a lot about. And there's an example. It was an article in Huffington Post that I was reading, and it was a story from a mom. And she had come into Target on a Saturday afternoon with her son, Charlie. And she was going up and down the aisles. And her son started clapping in front of a rack of our Cat and Jack kids' clothing. And there was a sign on the top of it. And he was clapping for that sign. And she went back in front of it again, and he started clapping again. And in the sign, there was a little boy in a walker. And Charlie actually happens to have cerebral palsy, and he's in a wheelchair. And the mom said she stopped right there in the aisle at Target, and she started crying. And she said it was like for like, it was kin for kin, and it was beautiful. Target, you will always have my heart. Aww. And to me, that's, that's purpose coming to life in the everyday decisions that we're making. This wasn't a campaign about showing disabled children. This, this wasn't something that I was asking the teams to rally around. This was actually somebody in a casting decision making what was a small decision, but a big decision for Charlie, because it made sense for who we are as a brand. And that's when I think purpose starts to come through your marketing efforts, through your communication in a way that is really true to who you are as a brand, in a way that is really authentic and really genuine. Rick, you've always impressed me with the level of empathy you have as a leader. And I know we did a case study last year about empathy being a real driver for you and your teams and, and Target overall. 
Can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's funny. I, I always thought to be a good marketer, you had to be empathetic. You had to be able to listen to your guest or your consumer, understand their needs, and then be able to develop solutions for them. And a really good marketer is really empathetic. They can take themselves and put themselves in someone else's shoes. What I've come to learn is to be a really good leader, you have to be empathetic, not just a good marketer. And I really believe that empathy, listening, and understanding has helped me to become a better leader. Absolutely. And part of the the purpose for Target is being empathetic. Absolutely. Target is, at its core, an inclusive, positive, optimistic, empathetic brand. You know, 80% of Americans shop at Target. So we're for everybody. And it doesn't matter what your cultural background is, your socioeconomic status, your geography, your political affiliation. Target is a brand for everyone. And people really do describe it as their happy place. It's a place where they want to go to kind of get away from all of the stress and all of the anxiety and all the pressures of everyday life. They want to just come and explore. And that's for everybody. So how do you create that environment in terms of how you lead your teams and the things that you think about, how you prioritize your activities to be able to create that environment for your shoppers? We talk a lot about the guest experience, and we believe that our experience has been and will continue to be a key differentiator for us. And so we are making big investments to ensure that when you walk into a Target or you go to Target.com, the experience that you're having is bringing those values together in a way that is unmistakably Target. Some of the big investments that we're doing to improve on the experience to make it even better is how we're investing in our fulfillment. What we are hearing from our guests is shopping is changing and shopping is no longer always brick and mortar or always on .com. It actually is blending. They think of it interchangeably. They may start shopping in the store and then purchase it online. They may start browsing and investigating online and then make the purchase in store. And so they wanna be able to get what they want whenever they want. So what we have to do is create those experiences that deliver that in a way that's unmistakably target. And you know, the example that I would give you is we're rolling up drive up as a new service and it shows a level of empathy for our guests because we know Convenience is important. Ease is important. But think about it. If you're driving around and your son or your daughter is in the back seat and you need to pick up some milk or bread or diapers and your son falls asleep, what are you going to do? Well, we now have drive up where you just text your order and you drive up and one of our team members will go out to your car and will put the groceries in your trunk and we time it and it takes us about a minute and a half to be able to do that. And that, I think, is a great example of taking technology, supply chain investments, but doing it in a way that's human and shows a level of empathy for our guest. That's a lot of coordination across different functional groups. As you bring your teams together to really think of these solutions, what is it that you're asking them to achieve? How do you inspire them to be innovative like this? Well, there's kind of two parts to that question. I think there's one part about how do we inspire 
galvanize and rally our teams to be innovative and to be creative. And what we often say about the marketing efforts at Target is that we want them to be unmistakably Target and we want them to be things that have never been done before. And if we hold that up as our bar, we're going to deliver creative, innovative solutions. And I'll give you an example of one that I'm really proud of. And it's, it has to do with when moms have a baby. And what we were seeing in social media is moms, when they have their baby for the first time, they will actually, one of the very first trips they make out of the house is to go to Target. And they'll go to Target because they're familiar with it. They're comfortable with it. They know if their child has a meltdown, it's going to be okay. And it's also a chance for her maybe to get a little something for herself, maybe, maybe in the beauty aisle or in the apparel section. And so we, we were seeing this behavior and we were also seeing they were taking pictures and posting pictures. Me and my baby's first Target run. And we thought, wow, there's an insight there and there's something that we can help facilitate. So what we decided to do, leveraging data that we have around baby registry with our first party data, we were able to send a little red onesie to the mom when the baby was born. And the little red onesie says, my first target run. <laughs> and we would send those and the moms would get it. And of course, they would be so surprised, delighted. And you know, they would put it on their baby and they would go to Target, they would take pictures and they were posted all over Instagram. And to me, that shows a level of creativity and a level of using data and technology and information, but wrapping it in humanity and empathy and then being able to deliver something that nobody else is doing. I mean, people are doing data marketing and talking to moms who had their firstborn, but the idea of sending a little red onesie for their baby's first target run is something that we think is unmistakably target. Okay, that is so cool. And obviously, a brilliant idea that comes not just from creative minds, but analytical minds, and obviously, leveraging data to the, in the right way. So are you full on into the world of AI? And are you leveraging that as part of your success? Look, this is a topic that I think all of us are talking about across the industry is data, automation, AI, and what is its impact on creativity? And I actually believe that they work together. And I don't think that AI and automation and data are going to take away from creativity. I think they're going to actually fuel creativity. So we are on the forefront of trying new things, thinking of ways for us to bring better experiences to our guests leveraging data. And you know, I'll give you an, another example. One of the things that we've invested heavily in is the ability to do computer-generated graphics in a 360 environment. So what we know when it comes to home decor, people are always trying to shop online. They don't know, is that chair going to fit in my room? How is it going to look with that sofa or those drapes? So we've actually created 360-degree rooms that you can go into the room get a sense for the furniture, the look, the scale, and then you can actually purchase it right there in the room. And it becomes a very data technology driven experience, but it's intended to provide inspiration. When you think about your teams, I mean, do you have data science rolling up into you? Is it part of your team? Does everybody work cross-functionally? How does that work? 
there isn't a simple answer to that in that we do have a center of excellence out on the West Coast that really focuses on data, data scientists, data engineers, and they are sort of a source of truth when it comes to data. But it doesn't happen just in a silo. And we have people in marketing that have a data background because they need to be able to work with those data scientists and those data engineers and be able to talk the same language. So within the marketing organization, we do have people who have a specialty and a background in how to harness the data in a way that provides more efficient, more optimized communications and marketing. Great. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I want to go back to your path to getting to this role, were there some key decisions that you made along the way that caused you to move in one direction or another and got you to where you are today? Well, like I said, I I never thought I would be the CMO at Target. I'm very grateful to have this role, but I didn't think that this was necessarily going to happen. And I'll tell you a little story about how it did happen. I was here at Target as a senior vice president on brand marketing when the CMO job opened up. Jeff Jones, who I I know you know was my boss, coach, mentor, had left to go on to a new challenge and the role opened up. And I raised my hand and I said, I really want that job. And the feedback that I got was, okay, great. We will consider you as well as an external search. And so for a period of months, I went through a series of tests and interviews. And what you have to understand, Aideen, is I come from a really tight close-knit Hispanic family, and everybody's got an opinion. Mm -hmm. Everyone has an opinion, and they all have advice. And so before every interview that I had, I would get calls, particularly from my father, who would give me advice on what I should say or what I shouldn't say or what I should do or not do before every interview. And, you know, it was well-intentioned, but it was a lot of advice. (laughs) Uh, So went through a series of interviews, and then come... January, Brian Cornell, our CEO, called me into his office and he sat me down and he said, being a CEO, it's not an easy job. You got some good days and you got some bad days. And he said, today, it's a good day because I get to offer you the CMO role. And that is a moment that I will never forget. And when I walked out of his office, the very first person that I called was my dad. Awesome. And I called him and I said, dad... I got the job and he got unusually quiet. He didn't say anything. And then I could hear him and he was crying. And I said, dad, why are you crying? This is good news. And he said, I didn't think we were going to get it. And you have to understand for a Hispanic family, it is very much we. It is our career, it's mine, my family's, my parents. And I said, well, why didn't you think we were going to get it? And he said, I thought we had hit a glass ceiling. And he got quiet again. And he said, son, you know what this means? I said, no, dad, what does it mean? He said, you better not screw this up. So that advice sticks with me. I think about it often and that I'm in this role representing not just myself, not just my family, not just my team, but a community. And that's really important to me. So, so far, so good, right? So far, so good. Knock on wood. (laughs) We have momentum. 
<laughs> That's right. Uh, oh my gosh, what a great story. And I want to spend the rest of the podcast just talking about that because it's so awesome. I mean, let's take at least a minute and talk about that. I mean, when you say your dad still believed there was a glass ceiling, what do you think now that you've broken through that? Do you think there is one there? I'll give you my perspective on it. I actually believe there is an opportunity for a whole lot more diversity, particularly in C-suite, particularly in Fortune 50 companies. Um, And that's coming from somebody, I am Latino, I am gay, and I think there needs to be more people like me in these kinds of roles. And it's not because I think it's a right thing to do. I actually think it's a competitive advantage. I think being able to have more diversity in the C-suite enables for better problem solving, better solutions. I think it can lead to better business results. I think we need more women, more people of color, and more change. I agree with you 100%. And I've done so much research in this space. There is unequivocally, hands down, no denying, having more diversity in the workplace yields better results. Yes. I think more diversity of backgrounds, more diversity of thought. And I actually think, and I believe that the leadership and leadership styles that are effective are evolving. And I think the leaders that are going to be successful in the future are going to be the ones that are empathetic that mm-hmm. do listen, that are willing to make themselves vulnerable. It's, it's not going to be a command and control environment. Those types of leaders, I don't believe, are really going to be able to inspire and motivate the millennials and the Gen Z. No, again, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I literally just released Chris Capicello's podcast. He's the CMO of Microsoft. And he was talking about this cool book that he read. And it was all about proximity is really the path to empathy. Mm-hmm. Well, if You're not in it, in the weeds. You don't understand the people that you represent. You're not part of that culture. How are you supposed to lead it? I mean, I couldn't agree more that the idea of proximity leading to empathy, and it's something that we talk a lot about at Target. And I think the risk at Target, particularly as you get into C-suite and senior levels, is you think you know the guest because you shop at Target. But the reality is we aren't our typical guest and we go through exercises to help drive empathy. And one of the examples that I will give you is we asked everybody on the leadership team, you need to be able to make a meal for four that you're really proud of for under $10 because that's what our guest deals with. And I think that kind of exercise breeds empathy and understanding. The other tool that we use quite a bit of are immersions. You know, I've spent a lot of time in people's homes talking to them. I mean, hours and hours talking to them about what's important to them. What are they excited about? What are they nervous about? What are some of the issues that their family's dealing with? They've shown me their food in their pantry, their apparel and clothes in their closet, walk me through what's in their medicine cabinet and their beauty bag to help drive empathy and to help drive understanding. And I think that ultimately will make us not only just a better marketer, but a better brand. And I think that's the level of understanding you need to have to be successful, particularly because the guest and the consumer is changing so fast. This isn't a one and done. Oh, I did an immersion. I I understand now. It's constantly changing. That is so fascinating. I mean, like I could talk to you all day. You're doing so many cool things at Target. What do you think the future holds? 
I think the future is going to be bright for Target. I mean, we we are investing for the long haul. We are investing to win. And I think what that means is we have to stay up with what the guest is asking for. So I think you're going to continue to see innovations and evolutions on what the experience looks like, on the services and solutions that we're offering. There is demand to make things as frictionless as possible. I think from a marketing perspective, there's a desire for more and more content and storytelling and relationship building. That's not just transactional. And we are investing to be able to create more and more content across social platforms, digital platforms. So I think what the future holds is what the guest wants. And I think those people that are able to tap into that and are able to keep their finger on the pulse of what the guest is looking for, that's who's going to be successful long-term. Yeah, absolutely. So you said that you really were excited to become the CMO of Target. We being your whole family. What do you love about being a CMO today? A couple of things. I think as a CMO, we are able to have impact and we're able to have impact certainly on the business, driving market share gains, driving top line growth, but we're also able to have impact on cultural issues. And I'll I'll give you an example that I'm really proud of, and it has to do with our women's swim business. And we were, at the time, the number two share for women's swim in the U.S. And we had done some research, and we saw this article that one out of four women, if they were invited to a pool party with Justin Timberlake, would decline. And the reason they would decline is because they don't feel good in a bathing suit. And we thought, what a shame that you have people who are missing out on life because they don't feel comfortable in a bathing suit. And as marketers, as advertisers who are creating content, we can impact those perceptions. And so we made a big commitment saying we are going to be body inclusive in all of our marketing for swim. We now show size four to 24. And we created a whole campaign around hashtag no FOMO, get out there, rock the bikini, have fun. And the response to that work was so supportive, so positive. And it wasn't just on social and digital, it actually changed behavior. We went from being the number two share in the US to being the number one share in Women's Swim. And we took that position from Victoria's Secret, who has a very different perspective on what beauty is. So I think as marketers, we can influence not just the top line and the bottom line, but we can also influence culture and society with some of these really important issues like body inclusivity. I have to admit, I laughed so hard on Friday when I watched the movie, I Feel Pretty, which mentions Target quite a bit um, (laughs) because it is about confidence and owning it. So I don't know if you've seen that movie yet, but it's pretty cool. And I support it. That's with Amy Schumer? Yeah, Amy Schumer. Yes, I um, I also love Soul Cycle, so I've seen the clip of the Soul Cycle scene. So I'm dying to see that movie. Oh my gosh, it's definitely worth a look. Uh, yeah, I have to check it out. Yeah, and it's all about what you just said. So that is awesome. And unfortunately, we are we're at the end of this, Rick. So before I ask you my very very last question, you have anything else you want to share from a career guidance or tip? No, I think the advice that was given to me a long time ago that has stuck with me, and it's easier said than done, but what a mentor said to me once was, believe in yourself. 
And I think that's easy to say, but it's hard to do. And for me, being able to build that confidence in myself and who I am and be able to find my own voice has been really empowering for me. It takes a while to be able to say, I deserve a seat at the table. And it takes even more to be able to say, as long as I'm at the table, I might as well be at the head of the table. And that takes a lot of confidence and a lot of time. But I guess the one piece of advice I would just say is believe in yourself. Perfect advice and a great way to wrap this up. But I can't let you go without this last question. So you believe in yourself. And if money were no object and you weren't a CMO and you could do anything in the world, what would you do? I... I am a fitness nut, so I love working out. My partner and I were on vacation over the 4th, and we worked out every day, and we were so happy. So I think I would do something in the fitness industry, something physical, not at a desk, not in a conference room, but working out with other people and helping other people get their fitness goals. Oh, I love it. You know, I'm going to look for you online with your YouTube video to inspire people. (laughs) (laughs) I have all kinds of crazy ideas going through my head. I can't wait to see that happen. Awesome. Well, hey, Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Sure. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Nadine. Thank you. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 